<laughs> okay. Now I did it that time. Okay, are we ready to start? Sure. All right, we'll do a couple seconds of silence. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. To infinity and beyond! Get off, Napoleon. Make yourself a dang quesadilla. I know kung fu. This is one doodle that can't be undid, Holmes Gillett. Grab my axe. This should be open because it's civil rights. This is the 90s. You're going to need a bigger potion. 1.21 gigawatts! I'm going to make this pencil disappear. Gucci. Hello, and welcome to the Kendallcast Movie Roundtable. I'm your host, Kendall. With me is Nick. Hello. Jeff. Hello. And Ian. Hi, everyone. Do I normally have an order that I re- introduce you guys? I forget. Well, when we were yeah. in a physical space, <laughs> we went around the table, but this is an arbitrary order. I think I might have said like something about that. Sometimes he reversed directions around the table, so I'm not sure that that really mattered. Okay. Okay. We are now disembodied voices. But so, Ian you know, sat across from me when we were in fr- a physical yeah, place. Yeah, Ian was always second. So, <laughs> no matter which direction. So he changed it up there. All right. Um, so we watched this movie. Um, uh, it reminded me of a Star Wars prequel and not the one that, uh, not the one that the title references. Uh, we watched, uh, Stardust from 2007. So Nick, this was your movie. I'm very curious what it was about this movie that made you choose it. And like, what are your thoughts about it or whatever? Well, I think, I think the the main reason I chose it was, it's just kind of a classic adventure movie and it just seems very well done. And I think, I think it sort of straddles the line between a good story and just being fun. Okay. And it wasn't clerks. What, it was very, it was definitely <laughs> very, very different from clerks. Very, very different from clerks. That's, that's true. That's true. It's inter- interesting that you said it had a good story. Um, so, um, uh, <laughs> I wonder how Kendall feels about this. I, no, no, no. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to pile it on. Cause you guys were all really nice about clerks. So, uh, <laughs> so I'm not going to, I'm not going to pile it on, but yeah, I will. I will. spoiler alert. Uh, I thought the movie was kind of a mess. Uh, I'll go into a little bit more detail, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to dwell, dwell on that. Instead, I'm going to shut up and let's hear what Ian thinks. <laughs> yeah. So really this movie is a lot of fun. Like I just had fun throughout. Um, this was my second time seeing it. I think I actually liked it more this time than I did the last time. Um, I like the the cast is like is pretty incredible, and then you keep seeing you know more people just pop in like uh, De Niro and Ricky Gervais and like these people just keep popping up, and it kind of like has tons of characters, but you you kind of just know who they all are even without like getting to know them just because it kind of draws on tropes and kind of some familiarity, um, even using the actors at times to kind of give you a hint who they are. And so it doesn't have to spend any time on exposition. It's very uh, soft world building where you don't really know what's going on. So it kind of gets you into it. The magic system is very nebulous, um, but it's all just kind of in there throughout and it uses it to build what's just a, a fun experience. I really liked it. Okay. What, what are your thoughts, Jeff? 
Yeah, so um, I really enjoyed it too. Uh, I had some story issues at the end that I'll that I'll go into later, but for the most part, I think what made this movie work well for me is like it didn't take itself seriously at all, right? Which a lot of like fantasy type movies like this kind of fall into that trap sometimes, and they become overly melodramatic and kind of like too serious. Uh, but this one, like, obviously has some serious moments, and I think most, for the most part, like the emotions land. But for me, it's just the humor, like with the with the uh, with the king's you know sons as ghosts throughout the entire movie, and just kind of how funny it is and how silly it is. Like, it just it's what made it fun, and I think Robert De Niro's character was probably my favorite in the entire movie, and his little like- subplot. Yeah, it's kind of like kind of like the Princess Bride, where yeah. you know, again, it just doesn't take itself seriously. It's just like a fantasy adventure yes. that you know cracks jokes. Yes. So, like, if you go into it with the right mindset, right, that you're not watching Lord of the Rings. This is not Lord of the Rings. This is just a fun fantasy romp. Then I think you'll have a good time. Yeah, if you're not me. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you're not Kendall, you'll have a good time. All right, um, Kendall, let's hear it. Okay, so okay, so first of all, I think that this movie had a lot of the same problems that the Phantom Menace had. It introduced a lot of characters, um, and aside from uh, yes, it played into tropes, I guess, but it was like it was like you were just kind of assumed to accept the trope. Like the, the characters fall in love, but there wasn't any, it didn't feel earned at all. Um, I didn't like, like the big, the big twist that should have been really clever and interesting at the end with the witch, when she's like, Oh, I, you know, there's nothing left for me. I felt like didn't make any sense at all because yeah, that's kind of, I'm kind of with you on that. That's part of my problem with the ending. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I just like, really, I felt like it did. It tried to do a lot and I wasn't invested in any of the characters. Like, uh, so the difference between this and Phantom Menace is that the Phantom Menace, you go into it saying, oh, that's Anakin Skywalker. I know that he becomes Darth Vader. Therefore, I am interested in this. Uh, not, not whereas this film, it's like this, this random, this random schlubby guy that doesn't know that no means no. Uh, <laughs> It tells tells the the chick that doesn't really like him anyway uh, that he's gonna somehow he knows that he can pick up a star when he sees a shooting star, which doesn't make a lot of sense. And and then he, I don't know, he's just kind of like we're supposed to be rooting for him, and I just don't, you know, he's he's the he's the fucking he's Dante or or uh, or uh, 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 Ricky Cunningham. From uh, you know, he's that he's that sort of generic nice guy character that. Except it's a it's a hero's journey, right? Like, yeah, he starts out totally kind of clueless, uh, you know, kind of, you know, thinks he's in love and, with, and then he learns with this to girl, and then he Victoria. learns to dance, and suddenly he's a badass. <laughs> like, there's no there's no journey to it. Dude, Kendall, the montage should never be underestimated. The montage always grants incredible skills and superpowers. It, we know. Yeah, I, I know. I just didn't feel like it was because if it was if you had completely cut out the stuff about the king and instead spent that time developing the other characters or if you had cut out the witch or if you had cut out the mother um, or if you had cut out Robert De Niro, like or any if you of had those cut out, uh, the star's heart. In the movie would end. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just uh, I just felt like there were too many there were too many factions, and so because of that, we didn't get enough time to care about any of them. I especially hated the the 
the princes killing each other plot. I just, I, oh, I just oh that was like the best part. That was, that was one of my favorite parts. I also yeah, didn't, yeah, and I also didn't think I, I didn't think anything was funny in the entire movie. So oh okay. Okay, so this was not the movie for you. Yeah, no, it wasn't. That's I, I. So I had my two and a half minutes. You guys keep gushing on it now. So Kendall hates fun. Is what I'm getting. Right. I like the Princess Bride. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's like because I'm old and jaded and like I, you know, Princess Bride. Is that what you're trying to tell me? (laughs) What? Wait, what? No, I love the Princess. Bride. You just say, okay. (laughs) <laughs> no, I, I love the Princess Bride. I think the Princess Bride is great. I I think that part of the reason that the Princess Bride is great is because it's it's a linear story. Like you're, you know, you're following you're you're following a group of people that are on a journey together. And but also maybe if it was you know not written as well like this movie was, then I wouldn't have I wouldn't have liked Princess Bride either. I don't know. Princess Bride definitely had better writing in it for sure. Um, but again, like, I feel like the, for me, the charm in this movie is like, why, like you would think a story about a bunch of princes, like horrifically killing each other in order to ascend to the throne would be this really dark, bloody affair, game of Thrones esque type tone. But instead, like they would gruesomely kill one of the brothers and then he would just appear as a ghost a second later and roll his eyes as if it was just a kind of a mild inconvenience, you know, and you have one with like an ax sticking out of his head and the other one's face is burnt. The other one's naked the whole time because he was naked when he died. And it's just funny. I don't know. (laughs) Why did she answer the door instead of cutting the lady's heart, the, the star's heart out? Like she's just about to cut it. And there's somebody knocking on the door. Like you have to knock You have to answer the door. the, I think the knocking started dimming her her satisfaction level. Yeah, she wanted her to have full glowy glowy powers. So that because she even said a little bit later in the scene, right? Like when she basically gives up trying to get her glowing, she's like, "Oh, a desperate sad heart is better than no heart at all." Right? So it's at that point where she gave up trying to get her to glow. You know, but she wasn't quite there yet. I don't know. Maybe she's just dumb. <laughs> it seems to me like it seems to me like there can't be that much of a difference. But yeah, well, I guess it's magic. You're right. It's magic. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, that's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a soft magic system, right? Uh, it's uh, very, very soft. You, you <laughs> yeah, just kind of, you just kind of go with whatever right. they say. Because she was safe in the heart of her power and whatever was at the door was never going to uh, confront her in any meaningful way, except it did. And <laughs> not to mention that does kind of get at what I think is um, an- another qual a strength of this movie, which is the theme of, of love as an unconditional thing. Right. And you, you see that the metaphor for that is most personified in her heart, right? Whereas every other character is trying to forcibly take her heart and exert their will and their influence and power over another. Right. Instead, she gives her heart willingly to Tristan and then he actually ends up getting a kind of semblance of eternal life as a result, right? So the movie's idea is that true happiness, love, and fulfillment comes from like self-sacrificially and unconditionally, you know, caring about someone versus trying to take what you want and piling up the bodies on the way, which I appreciate. I should agree with you. <laughs> I mean, like, it's a good, point. Even, it's a good like, story. It's I a good got moral. So, so well, I don't think it's a good story. I think that's the, it's a good, it's a good moral. It's not a good story. I think that's what it is. But I think part of the problem is you keep mentioning a story. And I think part of the problem is it's, it's a Neil Gaiman book. It's based on a Neil Gaiman book who Neil Gaiman is one of the, I I love him, but he has very winding plots with Mm -hmm. a lot of side characters. And I think the fact that one of these books was compressed into 
what is it? An hour and a half? An hour it's, and 45 minutes? It's two minutes? hours yeah. and 10 minutes. It's, oh, is it? Two yeah, hours and 10 well. minutes? I didn't actually check. Okay. Um, it so felt like an hour. It was, it, was, yeah. uh, it was late. I, I, I could see that it's, it's a bit of a very windy path to get to the end, for sure. And I know that uh, there's portions of the, the, the movie that actually were expanded upon. Like the Captain Shakespeare thing, I think, in the books was very small. And they added characters here and there just based on, like, De Niro being awesome. So, I, <laughs> so I, I can definitely understand the uh, the plot being all over the place. And um, what is it? I mean, just as another example of how complicated his plots get, I mean, Good Omens was another book that he put out that Amazon turned into, what, like a 10-hour series? Uh, uh, yeah, something like that. I fell asleep while I was watching it, but it was really good. Um, <laughs> so good. It put me out right away. Yeah. Well, I mean, I started watching it at like 3 in the morning, I think, but... Uh, yeah, it's like one of the only Amazon shows that I watched and like enjoyed. So, uh, yeah, no, that's interesting that you said this is based on a Neil Gaiman book. Cause it, now that you say that it, it explains it. Ex- yeah. It definitely explains that it had the issues that a lot of books, a lot of adaptations of novels have where you have underdeveloped characters because they needed to include that character because they're central to the, to the plot. And also like stuff like, I mean, cause, cause my issue is, I mean, it's a simple, yes, it is a simple hero's journey story, but it's, it's just that like they didn't, it, the characters, the individual characters didn't have that, that development. So if I had read the book and then watched this movie afterwards, I might've actually liked it a lot more. And also, uh, Ian, you said you've seen it twice. I have a feeling on second viewing, I would enjoy this more because I was so, Nick told me there was good world building in this book or in this movie. And so I was like, I like so worried about the world building. It's not, it is not as it, it's a much softer world building <laughs> where they don't try. It, it's, it's the kind of world building where they don't try to over explain things to get them out of the way. Yeah, but they also de- explain how the star heart thing works like eight times. Yeah. Because it's really important. <laughs> there's some, there's some weird, like, it's like, um, intellectual problems I have with this movie, like where, you know, uh, the star or um, Tristan is tied up to the tree and you get a random ex- unnecessary exposition dump from like the sky, right? Where the stars are like, save her, save the girl. Let me explain how this will work. The witches came and they cut out her heart before. And we kind of already knew that, you know, I don't think that yeah. was. Yeah, necessary. I actually liked that part. But like we don't get the sky talking to us ever again. It was just for this exposition mm-hmm. scene that we kind of already know. Like the which has sort of made clear their plan already, so it kind of seemed unnecessary to me, and then it didn't come up again. I think it and kind then, of meant to establish that they're not just hunks of rock in the sky, and that they they're a little they're still intelligent even they're though they're involved. up there. But yeah, yeah. Okay. personifies all the stars. Which I yeah I yeah. no I liked that mo- I didn't like the six other times they explained how. Like, yeah, they do kind of beat that one in just to make sure that you actually got it got that. And then there's like the scene even in the even in the beginning when Tristan's dad like just does a really basic misdirection and gets into uh, the other world. And it's like, okay, he eventually learns about that, right? And stops Tristan from doing the same thing. But if it were that easy to get around this guy, then people from wall would be getting into this, this parallel world all the time. Jeff, right? I like that part too. Yeah. I actually <laughs> liked that. Like the only thing keeping people from the magic fantasy world was just a dude by a gap in the wall that just, they don't, want to fill up for some reason like it's it's fine it's entertaining it's fine i'm just saying it doesn't make a whole lot of sense if you think about it oh it's just silly 
Yeah, the tone of the movie is fine, though. It fits with that, right? If this movie were trying to be Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings, then I think these would be huge problems. But I, it's I, thought it was, I thought it was less about the guy guarding the gap in the wall and more about kind of like a comment that the people in the town are kind of like hobbits, right? They don't want to go out and adventure. And that's mm-hmm. what made Tristan kind of unusual in the first place. It's like no one was trying to get through that wall. Yeah, totally, yeah. Right. totally agree. Totally agree. Right. And then Tristan says he's going to leave town and they're like, oh, the next town over. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. That's that's actually a yeah, that's actually a thing that I liked. Uh, you know what I really hated, though? Probably the thing that I hated more than anything else in the whole movie was that freaking unicorn <laughs> just randomly shows up. What was the sex- point of that unicorn? She needed to escape from the tree and the story needed her to be freed. So the unicorn appeared. <laughs> yeah. Again, I think it was another nod that to the idea that there are agents of good or from the stars that are acting against the witches and the heroes aren't in it by themselves. But even still, if that were the case, why did the unicorn lead her directly into the trap? Right. And then the agents of the stars had to communicate to Tristan saying, Hey, she's being led directly into the trap. But then why would the unicorn be there in the first place? If that's an agent of the stars. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. It's just like, it's, it's just, there were a lot of these things that were just like kind of adding levels of extra making things extra complicated i mean for that matter why did you have to have why did why did he have to have her on a leash the whole time when he was already when he had already made a deal with her that he was the only way that she could get back up to the stars mentioned he was just super cool with her being a person right like he's like i'm gonna find this the star for you and then he like randomly bumps (laughs) into her she's like i'm the star and he's like oh cool okay i'm gonna take you back to my girlfriend I mean, if I were him, I'd be like, wait, stars are people? What? <laughs> but he just took it in stride. Well, the leash was more to tie in with uh, the mother part right. later. So but right. so they Which, had to use it a little bit at first somehow. I don't think it was terribly <sighs> necessary to use yeah. it at the beginning. But yeah. I see what you mean. Yeah. But here's my here's my biggest plot, plot hole that kind of made me a little angry at the end of the movie, right? So, like, we just had this romantic moment where Tristan and what's her face are, you know, they're, they the confessed in love for each other and they probably, they sleep together in the, and, you know, and then for some reason, even though he knows that she is being chased after and she is vulnerable, he decides to get up by himself, not tell her, um, like what he's doing, except leave a message with this super like shady looking in proprietor guy. The fucking um, drunk guy. Yeah, no, that guy is totally reliable. He's, well, he walks all the way to his, he walks he, all the way to his village. Why? So that he can be like, you know, to his old girlfriend and be like, just kidding. I don't want to be with you. You suck. And then just drops her on the ground and then like goes to leave. And I'm just thinking like, there's no reason for him to do any of this. All he has to do is just wake up and be like, just kidding. I want to be with you now. Let's, let's, let's go somewhere else. It was entirely pointless. It accomplished absolutely nothing. Yeah. I think if she, if they'd walked through the wall with her, she just would have died. Yeah. Yeah. Did she, that was the thing. Like, how does she not know that she can't walk through the wall? But I she knows know, so much about other she stuff. Been they, shouldn't even, they shouldn't have even gone to the wall, right? He had no reason to go back there. Like, if he really was moving on from um, the girl that he lo- used to like, then he just would move on, right? And just forget I mean, about it. he could have gone to see dad yeah, or but, something. But. but Henry Cavill had to get his comeuppance. Did you know that <laughs> Humphrey was true. Cavill, by the way? I did not know that until about <laughs> a while ago. But he didn't even really get his comeuppance. He, like, flashed his sword three times, and he's like, okay, you can have the girl, bye. Like, they didn't even fight. <laughs> Well, he got shown was, up as a coward, basically. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. 
But or he could have even just woken her up and been like, "Hey, right, I need to go what's her face to buzz it was, off." It was less about her. him getting the comeuppance and more about uh, the ex girlfriend looking at Cable and going, "Oh, this isn't really what I wanted after all." Right. It's just, but it was just, it just seemed entirely unnecessary and it put everyone at risk. And then, of course, that stupid decision that makes no sense is what led to her getting captured and to right. our final big you know, thing at the end, but I'm just like, oh, like, I do not like how this was accomplished. Like, I mean, they should have figured out a way to kidnap her. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, I didn't like, I, it's, it's so hard because normally, again, if, if I had been on board with the, if, if they, if I had, if, if, if I felt like their, their love was earned or, or, or whatever, like, like if, if, if I cared about them liking each other, <laughs> at that point, then I would have, I would have like just kind of gone with it because that is, I mean, it's freaking Romeo and Juliet. It's every romantic comedy ever. There's like a misunderstanding that causes the, the causes the couple to break up, even though they're both have their best intentions. Like I'm, I'm usually okay with that. That's a, the kind of trope that I usually, that usually works for me. But this, but this, it's like this movie, the very thing that Ian said he liked the way that it, it leaned into those tropes. It felt like it just felt like lazy writing. I, I felt like those tropes accomplished quite a bit because you it doesn't have to spend time getting to know every character. It doesn't have it doesn't mm-hmm. have time to do that. It would have really dragged if it did. Right. Um, but instead, it's like, here's three witches. Oh, these are, you know, three witches like in Macbeth. Right. Like it just borrows that or you just kind of already know who everyone is. And it lets it move faster and and accomplish more without getting bogged down in the details. And to me, that makes it feel, yeah, is it do I get to invest less in those characters? Yeah, I guess. But to me, it it keeps the pacing nice and quick. It has lots of brisk beats, and it keeps like the kind of lighthearted, adventurous tone uh-huh. um, where they can just kind of keep carrying the plot forward, uh, you know, without worrying about any of that. Let's just. Let's go, 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 and it's an adventure. Not to mention, like, that shallowness, I think, in some ways kind of helps the movie because it doesn't make these characters too complicated. If it just gives them one thing, like, you look at Captain, um, you look at Robert De Niro's character, right? His only thing is Shakespeare, right? His only thing is, like, he's pretending to be this this top captain to protect his reputation, but he's off, but he's just a huge softy at heart. And that's kind of funny to me. And then you have this great payoff at the end, right, where his soft, his soft side has, has been exposed to his entire crew. And he's like, crap, I'm screwed. But then it turns out his crew just loves him yeah, anyway. Yeah, right? And yeah. they clearly know him forever. And I just thought that was a great little payoff, right? It wasn't complicated. It didn't require a whole lot of development. But it was enough to kind of have this funny moment that was a nice, you know, addition to the overall story. Right. right. It's funny and it's kind of pleasant, right? Yeah. <laughs> the, oh, yeah. The crew already so knew they like him anyway. Like if I were clear, if I were Claire Danes, my heart, I would have glowed a little bit at that scene and then I would have moved on. Right. And that's all you needed. So, so, you know, you know what it is, you know what it is. I was trying to put pinpoint on why I didn't think anything was funny and why the like, <laughs> and why the like, cause I did like, I could tell this wasn't self serious, but it also like, there wasn't, it wasn't the right kind of humor to where, like, it felt like, it felt like they were trying to be, uh, that word I can never remember. Um, they were trying to be earnest with, with a lot of these characters, like as opposed to as like, like this is, you know, there was no, there wasn't an element of self-awareness. They were like, I mean, maybe there was an element, like if you step back, but there was no meta commentary. 
I feel like in Princess Bride, even though I can't think of any exact example. Well, no, I guess in Princess Bride, you know, you keep saying that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. Like, you know, it's kind of kind of meta, you know, uh, the, you know, I'll have to fight it. You know, I'm not left-handed. You know, the, I don't know. It's, there's like, there's jokes and meta commentary in Princess Bride where there is, there aren't really jokes in this, in this movie, except for, except for a few rape jokes and gay panic jokes. Um, I mean, I would argue that the brothers killing each other was a little meta. Yeah. Right? Cause they're sort of yeah. at the ruthlessness of, of, you know, royal succession systems in like the middle ages, mm-hmm. you know, they're just doing it lightheartedly. I just, I just d- did not. I did not like that plot line at all. Uh, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Keep. I'm wrong. I. That's the thing. It's like I know that I know. Like all these things that you're saying are. Are you? I. I in theory agree. If I had not seen this movie, I would agree with you wholeheartedly. And I've no, made it's these, perfectly okay. It's just so. You're allowed to feel this way. You're not allowed to have opinions of your own. We've talked about this conform <laughs> to everyone around you mindlessly yeah i'm um <laughs> yeah uh yeah the, uh, i definitely don't like this movie as much as princess bride though that's for sure mm-hmm. like it's it, but i see what you're saying that it kind of feels like a similar project but just not yeah. quite as good so i will say I one can- thing um that i caught before i hit play that may have impacted my whole perspective on everything. Um, this is a family movie. Like it's, it's under that genre in Amazon. And, uh, I think that there are some things that like, that like really stuck out to me as like, Oh my God, that is such obvious foreshadowing. Like you can see it a million miles away. And then they still add extra clues and it's like bang my head against the wall. Like, like, Oh, you didn't kill your sister. Of course I didn't kill my sister. And it's like right at like two minutes after them saying, and the, and, and this thing that was going to be related to completely changed his life happened right now. Yeah. And Royal blood. And it's like, obviously his mother is the sister. But like, if I was eight years old and put those pieces together, I'd be like, I'm the smartest guy in the room. Genius. (laughs) Although one really good foreshadow payoff. I think they had was, it was subtler, right? But throughout the movie, when you had the scene with the witches, they would like kill an animal, you know, and like inspect its innards and do magical foretelling with it. And I always kind of thought it was interesting how like all of the rest of the animals would kind of like like react in fear, you know, mm-hmm. upon that. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the movie, right, he cuts all of the animals free of their cages and they immediately like go to kill these witches, right? Because they like, oh, we're free and we've been being slowly killed over this extended period of time. And just that little little exchange got a pretty good setup and payoff in it, I thought. So sometimes I think it works foreshadowing wise, but I definitely see what you're saying. Yeah. Kindle sometimes it's like, so, isn't this great? We foreshadowed this. Yeah. yeah. They do tend to uh, use a kind of a heavy hand. And when I say kind of, I mean, definitely. <laughs> and that's, and I mean, yeah, like I, I'm obviously not the, the primary target audience for, for that kind of stuff. And that's fine. Um, so actually, I'm curious. Nick, has your wife seen this movie? Uh, yes, she has. What does she think of the witches murdering helpless animals? Um, I mean, that would work better if you had asked me this question ahead of time, since she's not <laughs> here right now. Uh, but I assume that she does not like the, them being murdered, but appreciates the fact that they got their revenge at the end. Okay. Yeah, because I, I know that she likes witches, but also she likes 
the animals not like she's very she gets right. very it, emotional when, when animals get when the dog dies in a movie. Right. I think and it's been I, I haven't seen this movie in like a month. So my my recollection's a little rusty on this. But I think most of the animals that get sacrificed in this one are not necessarily of the cute fuzzy variety as well. Uh, um, there. Yeah. I, I mean, it depends. Exactly it depends how cute you think rodents are. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> there's also like probably a, a, a gator. Likes, yeah, I think they sacrificed like a gator or something like that at one point. Yeah. So I I don't know. I'm not actually sure, but I feel like she's okay with it just by by the fact that one of the witches dies to that later All on. Right. The witches yeah. are bad guys, so it makes sense. Cuz it was yeah. just it was just like one more thing that kind of took me out of the experience cuz I don't like I don't like animals getting killed senselessly either, and especially for comedic effect. I just don't think that that's it's one of those things that I don't think it's funny. Like I think the I think when you kill an animal, you know, it's the the kick to the the kick the dog trope. Like, you know, that's the fastest way to show that like a character is is super crazy evil. So when you play it when you do that to play up comedic effect, it's like, yeah. I mean, they're, it's also they're planning trope. on cutting the main character, the main uh, actress's heart out, so yeah. you have to you have to show that they're serious. Right, right. No, you got to understand. You got to understand. It's the worst thing you can do is kill an animal. The next worst thing you can do is kill a kid. The next worst thing you can can do is kill like an innocent character who's not a main character. And then like the fourth worst thing you can do is have is is kill like a main character. And our priorities are just excellent. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, I just I don't know. Yeah, no, and like I, the, I think they kill a goat too at one point. And and uh and a and a there's at least one like like possum or something that that looked pretty cute to me. <laughs> All I know is that like they have the grossest way of drawing straws ever, right? Instead of just drawing straws, they like kill an animal, stick yes. their hand inside of it, and pull it out like some kind of organ, and whichever organ right. is most important. <laughs> That's like really just draw straws, people. <laughs> Did anyone else feel like uh, these are basically sort of? A- a different version of the witches from Hocus Pocus in this yes, film. Yes, I thought meaner. that too. <laughs> they don't sing as well. <laughs> they do not sing as well. <laughs> I haven't seen Hocus Pocus in a long Me time. Neither. I haven't okay. seen it at all. So. Well, it's, it's it not like a great like movie. A higher budget version of Hocus Pocus in some ways. Clearly, clearly <laughs> yeah. Ian's the one here that's not married. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, not that I, I haven't, it's not a movie that is like one of my wife's favorites, but I'd know that it is a very, there are women of a certain age that that movie is like very important. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's like one of my wife's like top three movies of all time. So <laughs> I've seen it a bunch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, what was I going to, oh, okay. This is another like sticking point. Like, I don't know why, I don't know why the particulars of the of the magic use st- stuck to me because yeah it is a soft magic system it should not bother me but it still bothered me so which is it does the does the star's heart make you immortal or does it make you long-lived because the witches never- the witches killed a or or is it because they split it up like the witches killed a got a star's heart 400 years ago and now they're about to die of old age right, so it must be, must be long-lived but, but I think when Tristan says later, like, ooh, immortality, that sounds, you know, boring or lonely, you know, without somebody else. I think it was kind of assuming you just keep killing a star over and over again, you know, and live forever that way. Because the, the way that the, the prince was saying it made it sound like he just needed to do it once. Oh, maybe he didn't know. Or um, also, 
yeah, the fact that they split it up three ways, 1,200 years is a long time to someone. <laughs> I mean, mm, mm. Yeah. that's functionally immortal, even if it's maybe not true immortality. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess that that's immortal versus long-lived. Yeah. But uh, there's a point where it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Uh, and then it matters again eventually. <laughs> yeah, eventually. <laughs> Until it does later in the story. It's someone else's story. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, yeah. Movie. Okay. So the, <laughs> the only thing that did bother me, I think, in the whole movie is at the end um, how she goes to you know to cut out her heart and then she slashes the bond um to let her go and then changes their mind and tries to stop them like why did she why did the witch not just kill them if that was her intent all along so what i read from that and this is i think a problem because i don't think this is what's explained well at all is that like she when she had the chance to kill them initially right like she didn't want to because she didn't think um her heart was like good enough and so she wanted to like make them think they were gonna escape so she would be really hopeful and that would make her heart better and then she would kill them and steal it is what i kind of gathered from that but it was super clumsily explained yeah right and i think i think i agree with that the only problem is that the uh her that the light from her heart tends to dim so fast that like even doing that didn't seem to matter much so yeah, because yeah, I, mean, I, I understand that that's kind of what they're going for. But she does get brighter. She does get when when they when they release her. She does get brighter than she's been like in almost in the entire movie at that point. Yeah, and and then they use it to, that she gets so bright and destroys the witch, right? Mm-hmm. Which Love oh yeah, I can see that. So so my my thought on it, or at least this is what because it's also this is a trope. The it's hubris. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's kind of like, it's kind of like what you almost said in the, what somebody almost said in the, in the hotel. And also if, if she's, if she's, or the hotel, the inn, if she's doing it again, that would support, this would support that that's how she thinks, but she is so convinced that she is one because she does, she has, you know, defeated Tristan in hand to hand combat, which is his for, which is his forte, um, that she just wants to fuck with him a little bit more. And also, you know, her sisters are dead, so she doesn't have to share everything, you know. But the problem, I mean, just the problem there is that we didn't know the character well enough to know whether, like, if we had, if we had, if we, if we knew a little bit more about that character, if we got a little bit more inside of her head, we could have either seen her as more likely to to do that, like she actually does care about her sisters. Like if she had said something like, you know, oh, I even like a throwaway line, like, oh, I couldn't, you know, if she was grateful for something they did and she said, oh, I couldn't live without you guys or something like that, uh, then, then maybe would have been, it would have been more believable that she lets them go. I did like that. They were like, kind of like surprised, but they were like, okay, we're just going to go. We're not going to ask you why you did it or, anything we're we're just we're gtfo you know um it is weird that they sort of just call attention directly to the fact that like they didn't really give her any character development at all right because like does she care about her sisters does she actually have like love for other human beings oh we think she does oh maybe maybe we'll redeem her maybe she'll have some moment of humanity here oh wait never mind Mm -hmm. nope 
You know, and, and it's like they could have built that yeah. out somehow. And that's also and, something that I would imagine would have been more powerful in the context of the uh, of the book. Um, that that's the, that look that just feels like uh, the kind of scene that, first of all, you would have had more character development in a, a 900 page Neil Gaiman book or however long it was. Because uh, Neil Gaiman oh, writes long know. books, I think. Yeah, he does. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, the only Neil Gaiman I've read is the first volume of The Sandman, so um, not not super. And, and I saw that Doctor Who episode that he that he wrote that was really good. The Doctor's Wife, I think, is what it was called, where the TARDIS becomes a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, like like if you just yeah, if you knew a little bit more about her character, it would be a thing. Uh- on the other hand, like, I felt like, you know, you pointed out that the characters that Tristan and Yvonne act all kind of bewildered when she lets them go. Um, like, so was I. So, like, I, mm. I felt like the way they did pull it off did make me feel like those characters. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I think that part, that why part she even, actually did it. I think that part even worked, It, but it was like, but it was like when, the, when they flipped it, when... You know, when she said, oh, actually, no, I'm evil still. Then it was like, that doesn't, I, I don't understand what your motivation is here. Well, that, I, glass, I, that glass thing she does, though, was a pretty cool effect after she changed, after she changes back, right? Uh, she, like, moves her arms forward and, and, the, and the glass explodes from the walls and everything. Mm-hmm. That was cool. Like, I knew as soon as, like, they smiled and started walking away. I'm like, oh, this is too easy. Right? I've seen too many movies. Like, this is not a satisfying kind of release of tension at all. Right? So I kind of knew that she was going to change her mind. You know, even before she actually did, just because it seemed like yeah. it was too easy. Now, speaking of of underdeveloped characters and a thing that worked, uh, at the at the very very end when they're at the at the coronation. And you see Captain Shakespeare makes eyes at Humphrey or whatever his name is at Superman. <laughs> right. Um, and, and, and like, like he kind of winks at him. It's like, what's going on there? Like, is that, is that his real like nephew? At it too. Like, she's like, what is this? Are, 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 is, did they hook up? Cause he's, you know, he's, he's coded as kind of gay. Yeah, I think that's just one more shot at, again, the ex-girlfriend not getting what she wanted. <laughs> right. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, she's so obsessed with how Humphrey looks to her that she didn't actually look and see what he was. Yeah, yeah, I I like, I really liked that those two were invited to the coronation, though. Right. Like, that and was that a, <laughs> it was a good little, it was a good little, little thing. We're shoving this all up in your face. <laughs> I just like to to mention how good Mark Strong is in this movie. Who who's Septimus? Uh, like oh, yeah. I, I wasn't really aware of him as an actor until this movie, but now every time I see him, he just does a great job in everything. So also, can we appreciate how Charlie Cox played Tristan? Um, and now we've seen him as Daredevil. And... Yeah, yeah. I mean, could you believe? Could you <laughs> yeah. believe that a blind guy could act that well? <laughs> I couldn't even tell he was blind the whole movie. But yeah, I just gotta say, Charlie Cox is fantastic. Like he did a great job as Tristan. He did a great job as Daredevil. Like, guy's got some chops. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not to mention, like Claire Danes. You know, who she's mostly known for Homeland, right? And I haven't really watched a lot of Homeland, but my wife likes that show. And like Claire Danes' character in Homeland is like crazy, like crazy dark. I think she's like she's got like bipolar disorder or something. 
Which is funny because in this movie, she's just kind of like your happy-go-lucky, frilly princess type character, right? It's completely different. <laughs> I mostly know Claire Danes uh, from that Tig Notaro This American Life episode. Somebody somebody out there gets gets what I was referring to. Oh, so I have taken a poll of my wife, and she is not a fan of the witches killing the animals. <laughs> okay, that's, like that at all. <laughs> that's what I thought. That's what I thought. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a movie that doesn't. It's not going to change the world, you know. It doesn't really have anything too important to say, um, but yeah, it doesn't have to, right? Yeah, like, it doesn't have it, to. Just sit back and enjoy fun, it. Feel good kind of movie with some fantastical elements, and you know that could be enough to brighten your day, literally, because it's a star. I I shined a little bit. I shone. <laughs> Am I thinking of somebody else? Is Claire Danes not a, a, a like an actress? What? She's an actress. Or, I mean, a, a music lady. Did she? I thought uh, she was the one that I thought she like uh, was a. She was like she did music for like. That's how she got famous, and then she transitioned into act act acting. But I'm not seeing anything I mean, that she, lines she up was with on that Broadway. But yeah, I'm not seeing anything about singing necessarily. Huh. So what do you guys think about some of the let's 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 get woke for a second, right? Like, what do you guys think about some of this, the kind of social elements in this movie? Right. So in a, in the sense, you have a little bit of gay panic with Shakespeare's character. And then it kind of just seems like Claire Danes character is a super big damsel in distress. Like, do you guys find any of that stuff a little eh, now, you know, 13 years after this movie came out or is it just kind of fine? So as a as a straight white male in his uh, <laughs> early thirties. Um, no, I thought, so the, where I noticed it the most was with captain Shakespeare. Um, they were treading a very fine line with, uh, well, first of all, there were a lot of rape jokes, um, you know, cause the, the implication and that was played for laughs was that every time, every time uh, the star lady, uh, when it went away with one of them that they were going to rape her, uh, you no. know, like, like that, you know, that was the, that was the whole thing. And it was a little too much of that. Um, his, and then the, and then there were like, some gay panic access. I think that the teeth, they, they, they kind of took the, that, that it kind of came full circle though, because, uh, with, first of all, with them, not, I, I don't feel like they went like too overboard with his, feminine femininity um <laughs> there was the there was the one scene where he was wearing a dress but like i got the sense it was more like i don't know it was more like this is a guy that's kind of ha- maybe it's because i was completely humorless when i was watching the movie but i didn't feel like the 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 him dancing around in the dress was played for laughs so much as played for well, well the laughs were the juxtaposition between the crazy masculine outer outside and then he goes into his quarters and he's a very different character well there was like a sword fight going on during that scene as right well. right right yeah. yeah i think yeah like you said they treaded a fine line i think the fact that they're doing a, most of those jokes as cover against sort of an i don't know what's, what's the word sort of just their expectation that the pirates would think that way 
despite and then it the discovery of later on that the pirates both knew what was happening mm-hmm. and didn't care i think that right. makes it potentially okay yeah you even had the one pirate guy who like had to remind him to like pretend to be mean right, no, right. he's like <laughs> go ahead right like yeah i so the pro now i will say i will say if we're if we're being woke here the problem with that is that it still it still played it still made the gay panic joke like uh like it's it's like when um it's like if a comedian and i some comedian or somebody said this and i it's really resonated with me um like a comedian will make We'll say, you know, oh, I was, you know, I was on the street and I heard this racist guy say this thing and then it'll and they'll say the racist joke and then everybody in the crowd laughs and they say, wasn't that guy such an asshole? And everybody's like, yeah, yeah, everybody laughs. But it's like you still laughed at the racist joke. You know, you still they were still playing the gay panic stuff, at least for the especially before they kind of revealed the twist. Uh they were playing that for laughs um, in, in a way that was that still that you probably you at least you wouldn't you wouldn't do that today. Yeah, I mean, it, in the end, it is a movie from 2007. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, I mean, it just is like, yeah, there are a I lot mean, more jokes that you could get away with in 2007. Yeah, I, I generally give these things like I, I keep them in their place. So it's it's like I, I think the danger of of doing things of making that kind of joke is is in its influence on the watchers but i think you know given this movie in its in its own in its home context is um to me pretty harmless uh i don't know if that necessarily stands uh you know on a societal level um but it doesn't impact my my enjoyment of it particularly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing, the other thing, honestly, if we're talking about uh, sort of the way that the the I mean, honestly, the way that they t- treat uh, Victoria, um, that she's very she's uh, she's a very one dimensional character. I mean, a lot of characters are one dimensional, um, but they kind of they kind of vilify her. And it's like she doesn't really do anything wrong. Yeah, she just kind of. I mean, she's she just kind of using him on about going on this adventure to get right. very transactional approach to relationships. But yeah, which is the point? Which is the theme of the movie? Right. But also, like, she everyone is, has a trip. She has made it very clear that she's not interested for anything else. That is true. She's is very true. upfront. Um, I I don't I don't feel like I I mean she's just. But she in is, a story about finding your true love, that's a character that you kind of got to vilify a little bit, right? Well, like she's, she's shallow. She's shallow for a purpose. The, the right. movie like she, she's that. also kind of mean, though, right? Like she cuts in front of the, the line at the store and like manipulates him into like walking her home, and then gets he gets fired. fired. <laughs> she doesn't care, right? Like she clearly is just using him to get what she wants, right? Like yeah. so. Yeah. Again, she's very transactional in her you of love, which is a foreshadowing of basically all the villains, right? Uh-huh. Cause they also have the same mentality. Okay. Right? Okay. That's a good, actually, that's a good point that they, that they did. Uh, they did have her cut, cut the line and, and, and cause him to lose his job. Those are, those are, those are relevant. Um, I still think that if, again, if the, you know, if this film was made today uh, and it was, or if this film was made better because the, 
the example of a film that did this well is I think from 2009. What year was Forgetting Sarah Marshall? Yeah, that's not about 2009, some 2010, 2008, one 2000, year later. Okay, yeah, so 2008. I always, but I mean. And but also forgetting Sarah Marshall is one of the best was one of my all time favorite movies. Right. So, and this is not. So they also don't have all the fantasy aspects. So, you know, it's, it's right, just, right, right. But I'm I talking mean, about one. Yeah. I'm talking the about one theme. character who is also admittedly a more major character in forgetting Sarah Marshall. But uh, she confronts at one point she confronts Jason Siegel and, you know, she's throughout this whole thing. You know, she's the she's the ex-girlfriend who broke his heart and ruined his life and you know and he's and there's flashbacks to their relationship where she was not that great of a girlfriend but she does say like you know you you were like killing yourself in this apartment you know sitting around eating eating cereal all day you know you weren't doing anything to better yourself uh you know eventually i had to i had to move move past it or whatever you know she she gives him his comeuppance so so like this movie would have been infinitely better if there had been a scene where Victoria was like, what did I, you know, what did I do? I, I made it, I made my intentions pretty clear. Uh, you're, you're the one that went, you're the one that wanted to, to go on this adventure for me. Um, I don't really, you know, I, 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 I turned, I, sh- I turned you down over and over and over again and you still kept coming after me. But she still agreed when he made the suggestion to get her the star. Like, like she was leading him on a little bit. Like you can tell she didn't want to completely turn him down. She liked the attention that she got and she liked using him for, for things. Right. So she would turn uh, him down, but she would just sort of string him along for her own like selfish yeah, reasons. Yeah. I mean, and she's, I mean, she's not a perfect character, but I just, I would have liked, I would have liked if they, I she guess I would have liked if there no was, and are you putting Victoria on a pedestal? I, w- I would have liked it. I would have liked the film better if they had a li- cut out the, the, the freaking mur- princes murdering each other and made Victoria a character. That that's a mistake from an editor yeah. per- mistake. perspective. Uh, there are scenes that I think they could have removed to give, certain characters more times but i don't i don't think the princes were on the chopping block <laughs> i mean they were but in a different way <laughs> I, I, or i mean just in or even if they had if they had brought her along in order to you know kind of let her show that she's not that great of a person right now what they might have been able to do is maybe have her follow along and meet at the end and fight the witches with them but that would be the only way i could see that happening I mean, I'm kind of fine with how they did it because, again, this movie is not serious, right? It doesn't take itself too seriously. It doesn't need to have like super deep character development. Jeff, you right. you're the one that wanted it. You're the one that wanted us to be woke. That's my <laughs> that's my like I it interesting. I thought it was an interesting exercise. I I didn't say I wanted us to be woke. I just the thought film, like the film did uh, did pass the Bechdel test. <laughs> okay, so that's you know that's something. The witch, it's fairly rare. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the witches, and then Claire Danes and the mother character also have a Bechdel desk conversation, if I remember correctly, right? Oh, apparently Sarah Michelle Gellar was offered the part of the star of Ain, but turned it down. Huh. That would have been way better. <laughs> I I wasn't a fan of Claire Danes' performance. Yeah, she, yeah, she wasn't was kind of, the best. But that goes back to the whole she was just kind of a um a damsel in distress the entire movie. Yeah, yeah. I, it was also yeah, it was all it was it was her performance, but it was also her uh Right. I mean her kind of aloof acting 
also kind of made sense because she's a star. A star. But <laughs> it, well, it's like, just, she takes agency at the very end when she blows up the witch, right? But until that point, she just kind of follows Tristan around. Yeah. I hope that I didn't bring bring everything down. I, I know that you guys really enjoyed the, the film. Um, no, but, it's good uh, to take a fun movie and just dissect it. It's I mean, that's, yeah. that's what we're here for. It's kind of yeah. what we're here for. You're not you're not changing my opinion on the movie. But okay. Okay. Look, I just I just don't I don't like I don't like because if I'm not careful, if, it's very easy to <laughs> it's very it's a lot easier to have a movie that all of us like kind of liked and then for us just to focus on the negatives. It's uh, I'd almost rather have one person who just hated each of these movies because then we actually <laughs> had a okay. conversation. Okay. Well, so, I'm well, glad I've, that you're that for I'll anything that who, you choose. We'll see who hates mine. <laughs> well, I, I have a suspicion that you three are going to keep choosing serious movies, so I'm just going to keep choosing fun movies, oh. and you guys are going to have to deal with that. <laughs> you don't what think Clerks was, uh, was fun? No, I don't think Clerks was fun. What about American <laughs> Graffiti? That was the fun. Dead person, I did not, I didn't think How American fun movie. can that be? <laughs> I I don't know. I don't know. Uh, so um, yeah. So anything? Any other? Does anybody other have have any other thoughts on this? It was a good time. It was a good time. You know what else is a good time? Ian's choice for next month, right? It's Ian's choice, right? It is my choice. And my choice is Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Ooh, oh my gosh. I haven't seen that in 20 years. I, love I haven't it. seen it since high school, I think. Yeah. You guys are in for a treat. You know, I love the music. Jeff, do don't, ask, do don't ask the woke question on, on this one. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I just want to see a massive pile of mashed potatoes. That's that's <laughs> this that's means what I'm something. I think this movie has seriously has John Williams like like uh, most underrated score. It's, like, it's magnificent. Yeah, yeah. Hey, the whole like, movie. You know, is. It's all other all kinds of other movies get like the limelight, but this this one is like secretly the best. Well, we will see how we feel so about I'm, it. So I'm picking two Richard Dreyfus movies in a row. Well, we'll see. <laughs> We'll see if Are I can do third. Opus next, Ian? Maybe I have to do Jaws next. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll see uh, next time. Oh, man. I need a better sign off. Uh, we'll see how that movie is, what we think of it next time on the Kendall Cast Movie Roundtable. Um, I'll work a shop something. <laughs> yeah, that, that was better. That, that was better. <laughs> Maybe like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we do like a little bit of banter about it and we say, and we'll let you know how we or we'll see how we really feel about it after we watch it and talk about it on next month's episode. No, that doesn't work. Uh, that's, that's okay. Something like that. Uh, oh, hold on. Hold we'll on. workshop it. I, we're, well, we're workshopping it right now. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, is this still part of the podcast? Are yes. Still yes. yes. Okay. I'll, just, I'll, I'll probably, sure. probably what I'll do is I'll edit out part of it so that it sounds like we're really smart. Um, this is how the genius flows, everyone. Right so, here. so we'll see. We'll see how what we really think about that film next time on the Kendallcast Movie Roundtable. Kendallcast.ninja, celebrating media, hobbies, and passions since 2014.